and take about a moment, maybe 90 seconds, and just hug one another around. All right? Go ahead. Just tell them how much you love them and that kind of stuff. There you go. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. God bless you. Sam, God bless you, man. Good to see you, buddy. Hi, Abigail. God bless. I'm good. Oh, bossy. Good to see you. Hi, Angie. I'm doing good. Well, you behave pretty well. That's pretty good. That's about 90 seconds. That's good. All right, take your Bibles would you, with me this morning and go to the book of Esther. Esther's in the Old uh, Testament. Uh, Pastor Solo and Sarah and all the kids, uh, actually, just to give you an update, they were down with us in Florida for a couple weeks. That's a real treat. Seven kids, and oh, my Lord, have mercy. And uh, they left the morning that I left to come up here, and so... I uh, didn't get any rest <laughs> between their stay and coming here, but um, they had a great time. I'll tell you what, those kids love the water and love the beach and sort of fun for them. Now, this morning, though, they went over to, uh, yes, no, Friday, they went over to New Orleans, and they're speaking, Pastor Solo is this morning, at a friend of ours, uh, Pastor Michael Green, Linda Green, over in New Orleans, and so they have two services there, and he's doing great. In fact, I got a text just before I came in that he's tearing the place up down there, said this morning. So that's good. He will be back next week. And if you're a visitor here this morning, uh, don't let the inadequacy of my preaching keep you back from coming next week. And you come back next week, you'll get a better preacher, I guarantee you. And uh, it's good stuff. Good to be with you again. It really is. We have been nonstop busy and seem to uh, project into the rest of the year, and it's still nonstop for us. And in fact, for the first time, and probably not a bragging as much as just a fact, for the first time in my life, uh, when I leave here, I've got to go to the West Coast. My uh, Susan's brother is not doing well at all, and I'm going to go see him. And then from there, I'm going to Singapore. But on this trip, uh, I'll be gone for five weeks, and it's the first time in my life that I'm actually doing around the world. The way it's working out, I'm doing around the world, first time. So if you see me June 8th, I'll probably be dead and <laughs> plastered <laughs> against a wall somewhere. But uh, sort of fun. Listen, I, here's the thing about it. Whenever you're doing what the Lord wants you to do, it's the most fantastic thing in the world. You don't have to go around the world. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to do anything. All you've got to do is do what the Lord requires of you to do. 
That's all it is. It's what Pastor, so, uh, Pastor Dustin excuse me, said a little bit earlier. It's obedience. It's just obedience. I do believe that's all God is looking for in this hour is people that will obey. Uh, I think the key for a lot of our nation's woes is just people that will arise and obey God. I mean, no, God knows best. He really does. Even when it's, the, the, when it's things like tithes, like we just did earlier, that's just a, ma- a mere obedience. And God says, if you obey me, watch me, and I will absolutely bless the socks off of you. And we found that in our lives. I mean, I'm just telling you, we, it happens over and over and over again. I'm not here to talk anybody into tithing. In fact, I'm going to ask the ushers. They've got cards, right, Dustin? Uh, and I'm going to ask them to pass out these cards. These are, Pastor Solo asked me to emphasize a little bit this morning with you, the Ma- Mission Faith Promise. Just go ahead. Everybody take a card. I want you to hold it. Don't want you to do anything with it. Slip it in your Bible, whatever you're going to do. Don't even really read it or anything like that. But I want to emphasize something with you this morning about faith. I don't know who picked the song, Sue, but that was excellent this morning, Let Faith Arise, because that's really what I want to zero in on with you for the next few moments before we come and take communion together. I find in my own life, even all that I'm doing, I have to constantly let faith come to a new level in my own life. I've got to sort of go up to a next level and then go up to the next level. And some of the things that I face, and much like you, I don't have an answer for. I don't have a clear-cut answer. I scratch my head all the time on things. Uh, You know, you can only rely on experience so long. But you'll, you'll eventually face something that experience doesn't prepare you for, and you're still going to have to rely on God. And so that's where faith comes in. My giving, my uh, service, my witnessing, my going has been your theme for the last many weeks. It all relies on faith in God. Uh, last time I was here, uh, which was about eight weeks ago, and I, the only reason I remember it was the weekend that Abigail and Sam got married, but it was also the weekend my seventh grand, uh, Sarah and Solo's seventh child, my ninth, is it ninth? Yeah, ninth grandchild was born, and um, I spoke, and I spoke to you about uh, uh, the, the man Joseph in the Old Testament, who knew what God had destined him for from an early age. In fact, from the very beginning, if you remember, all the time when he was asked, he said, my name is Joseph, my name is Joseph. My name is Joseph. God's given me a dream. God's given me a destiny. God's given me a direction in my life. And nothing can stop it. Not the pit. Not my brother's trying to kill me. Now think about that. I mean, some of you got family problems, but I don't think anybody's trying to kill you yet in the family. They may be. Uh, not the, the prison. Not the bad accusations, false accusations from Potiphar's wife. Not even the palace keeps me from doing what God's called me to do. And when finally, at the end of Joseph's life and his brother's story, um, when they come during the time of famine in the land, and Joseph has put aside food for the famine uh, out of the wisdom that God gave him, his brothers present himself. They don't recognize Joseph. And he says to them, listen to what he says. This is a faith statement. My name is Joseph, and I have been sent right up to this moment to preserve your life. Now think about that. If you can get that kind of thinking in your mind as a believer, as a spirit-filled believer, I have been given a destiny. I've been given an, a, a, a plan from God to preserve life wherever I go. I don't know about you, but 
I, I feel bad about all that we've watched this week about Baltimore and everything. And by the way, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of a racial tension in the country. But when you have a city that has 35% of its African-American population unemployed, that's trouble. People need jobs. People need to work. People need help. And we've got to be praying that God turn this situation around. My point was, I love that mother. I tell you what, if we need a woman president, I vote for that mother for president of the United States of America. She comes out there, and I'm telling you, my name is, I don't know what her name was, uh, you know. Uh, it could have been Medea for all I know. <laughs> she comes out there and says, I have been sent to preserve life. And she starts beating him, her son, 17-year-old son, upside the head. You get back in the house right now. You're not going to be throwing rocks at anything. And I, she just went after it. I thought, go for it. And if you run for president, I'm sending you some money. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But listen, that's the kind of commitment that mother had. That's the kind of commitment you and I need for the lost. It has to be in us that way, that we're just about willing to do and go and be whatever God's called us to do, go and be in order to see the lost one. So really, even this whole thing with, uh, with um, uh, Joel Osteen coming at the end of the month and all that, God, that to me is so significant for this city. Now listen to me. That is not our doing. We, we sort of caught in on the tail end of that. They invited us and would you participate? There's only two churches in this city that are participating. Us and Christ Place. The rest said, no, we don't want anything to do with it. Listen, I don't care if you like Joel Osteen or you don't or he's deep or he's shallow or what. What? Who cares? He gets people saved. He brings people to the kingdom. And if you're sitting around wondering, well, should I just go that night or not? You better go. You better go. You better volunteer, get your T-shirt and your hat or whatever they're giving out and go and be there because that's a part of the going that is going to be required upon us as a congregation. If I was in town, if I was in the country, actually, I'd be going. That week I'm in Ghana. But I'll tell you what, you need to go. You need to go. And you need to be praying between now and then that God bring and prepare hearts that are going to come into the kingdom. I mean, what a harvest it could be for the city, much less Lincoln City Church. And so you've got to know who we are. We've got to know who we are in the Lord. And it takes a faith to do that. And then it takes a faith to respond. It really, really does. I think the only reason that doors continue to open for me, and I, I, I sort of stand amazed, I really do, is because I'm just willing to respond. I'm willing to say, yeah. You know, it'd be easier just to sit, and, and I got a nice place down in Florida, and nice on the beach and all that. It'd be easy to sit there and just, oh, no. No, here we go. And I'll keep doing it until the Lord takes me. You've got to be that way. All righty. Go to Esther. I'm giving you... Some sermon already, so it's no big deal. And listen, it's going beyond the normal. And this is the hardest thing. Human nature, human nature always seeks the normal. It always seeks the status quo. It always becomes comfortable with what we've been used to. Come on. You're used to doing it this way and we're never going to change and da-da-da-da-da. Uh, that's human nature. But faith nature always goes beyond it really does there is no status quo in the kingdom god is not static god's moving 
Whether you're moving with him or not is another question. But I can't answer, only you can. But look at this, starting in chapter 3. I'm just setting it up for you here. <clears throat> Talking about the gal Esther this morning. By the way, God uses men and women. Come on. Uses kids, uses uh, old people. He uses anybody that's wanting to be used. Starting at chapter 3, verse 8. Haman was a bad man. He approached King Xerxes, who is even, a, he's not bad as much as he is weak. And he says to the king, there is a certain race of people, I'm in verse 8, scattered through all the provinces. Notice he never says who it is. Who separate themselves from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people. This almost sounds like what is starting to happen in U.S. of A. You're a different type of people. And they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So is it not in the king's interest to let them live? If it pleases the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed, and I will, oh, here it is. There's always money. Follow the money. Show me the money. I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited, O king, in your royal treasury. Now, all he is mad at, Haman, is, is he's after the Jews. You can actually, in this whole thing, substitute the word Jews for Christians or substitute, better yet, God's people. How many know people that don't believe God, don't like God, are anti-God, or they don't like you? All right, so you got that figured out. All right, now look at chapter 4. When Mordecai learned about it, Mordecai is Esther's uncle, learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as the news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. You know what? i got to ask you right there. How many, when you hear the decree that you're about to die, would be doing the same thing? Okay. Now, I'm not trying to trick you with that question, but that is the typical, normal, lethargic believer's response. Oh, my God, it's going to get bad. Well, yeah, it's going to get bad. But what do we do about it? How many know it is getting worse? What if you lost all your money tomorrow? Hmm, hadn't thought about that. Will there be fastings and weepings and wailings and people <laughs> laying in burlap and ashes? All right? When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. This is uh, uh, Mordecai's uh, little um, niece. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for uh, Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of God's people. Mordecai gave Hatak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hatak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hatak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people because Esther is in the king's palace. Esther is positioned right where God wants her to be. And can I tell you, I don't care where you work, 
I don't care what neighborhood you live in in Lincoln. I don't care what. You are positioned right where God wants you to be. You're right there. You're not there by accident if you know God. God directs your steps. The steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered of the Lord. He orders our steps. And so Hatak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hatak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hatak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you're going to escape when all the other Jews are killed. You're a Jew. You're a child of God. You're not going to get out of this. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews, now, boy, this is a man of faith, will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Isn't that powerful? Now listen, let me tell you something. There is an understanding here in this gal that she's going to have to go beyond. In fact, the whole, the whole story of Esther is full of beyond moments, if you would. It, it really is. That led up to this major going in her life. We're talking about go. This is a major go for Esther right here coming up. And, and uh, her life is filled with these going beyond factors. You know, when I look back even on my life, when I think about some of your life, it's always been the next step for some of us where it was just this factor I had to press in and I had to go beyond. I had to press in a little bit more and go beyond what I was comfortable with, what I was familiar with. I had to go beyond. And those build up and build up and build up until there's a point where you know God is really using you and he has put you, just like Esther, into the king's palace for such a time as this moment. That is a powerful, powerful going beyond moment when you get to that place. Orphan. This gal was an orphan. She did not even live. She was raised by her uncle. She was not raised. Nothing is ever said about her mom and dad. We don't know what happened to her. She was just sort of, and by the way, even if it's your uncle, it's not the same. It's not the same as having mom and dad around. So she's Gone, had some gone beyond moments even before this. She was chosen to be queen. I mean, that's a big gone beyond moment. And when you're going to be queen, um, and King Xerxes had many queens, but when you're going to be one of them in the, in the, in the kingdom, in the palace of a non-believing king, if you would, a heathen king, that's a big deal. She knew as a Jewish girl, that's a whole big turn of her world to be able to be selected and then go into that palace. That is not a comfortable place. She's not there as one of the girls. She's different. She's totally and completely different. Her ethnicity, her skin color, whatever it was, she is different than the rest of them. And she had to face that every morning when she got up. And I'll guarantee you, and it doesn't say it here, but you know, like I know, when you're different and in a group of people that are different than you, you feel the pressure, you feel the prejudice, you feel the bias, and you've got to live with that all the time. And that's going beyond. 
that's going to be on him. For you, those of you that are white in the church, go to Ghana. Go to Kenya, and you'll feel exactly sometimes what other people feel. It's a very unique thing. I go to Singapore. I'm the tallest person walking. I feel like a giant walking. I get on the elevator, and I'm looking at all the top of people's heads. And they're looking up at me and going, oh, my God, it's a giant moving among us. Yeah, skip, look, look out, the white guys walking through here. It's crazy. But that's because you're different. And it's an interesting thing. When you're different, you know it. You feel it. You feel it. Pastor, we, they give me a car when I'm over there. Uh, we need to get you a bigger car. Why? Well, you're, you're big. Oh, my Lord. You want big, I'll show you big. <laughs> no, no, I, no, no, I can't do that. All right. So anyhow, all of these things, she almost missed, her, uh, the, missed all that God had prepared for her. Now, you've got to understand, no matter what happens, and this is the same in our lives, God had a destiny for Esther. Can I just keep repeating it until you get it? God has a destiny for you. Now, you've got to determine if you're living beneath or below that destiny. And I'm praying today that the Word does something inside of you where that changes that thinking and you begin to live in the destiny that God has prepared for you. God's plan, God has always had a plan for each of us. Listen, God had a plan for Noah. God had a plan for Abraham. God had a plan for David. God had a plan for uh, Paul, the apostle. God had a plan for all those people. God even has a plan for the church. Do you know God has a plan for Lincoln City Church? We don't even know what the end of the month will bring. That thing is on, what, May 29th? And, boy, I'll tell you what, you can see, you might all of a sudden see this place jammed with people who are new believers, and it's going to require every one of you to go beyond and start discipling them. Well, I don't know. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you will. Why? Because you're going to have to move beyond. Well, I, I, I hope nobody gets saved. Oh, well, okay. Well, there you go. All right. Now, i got to help you understand something. You're, you are different. I, I can almost prophesy with my eyes open this morning that you're going to see remarkable and quick changes in the United States of America concerning Christians. It's not political. This is a spirit that is unleashed in all the world. You think they're just beheading Christians over in Egypt and Libya. Wait till they start doing it to you. You understand it's a spirit. We're in a warfare that is not of flesh and blood alone. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. And this thing is prophesied in the Bible that it's exactly what is supposed to happen before the coming of the Lord. And you and I <laughs> get to live in the middle of it. And our kids. And our grandkids. And we're going, why God? And God says, I'm not that concerned about that. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to go beyond. And that's the same thing that happened here to Miss Esther. I mean, she's called out. We are the church. We're the called out ones. We're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. We're not supposed to be sort of blended into the effect that we don't even have a conviction about ourselves. Something obviously got Haman all upset because he said there's a bunch of people that don't actually walk the same way we walk. They don't talk the same way we talk in your land, king. They don't even live by some of the same laws. Whoa. The laws might change. 
But how many know God never changes? Now you've got a problem. Who do you obey? Who do you live for? Where do you go beyond? It's going to happen. I, I, listen, I just guarantee it. You're seeing it, and it's going to happen right in front of your very eyes. The church is going to come to a decision-making moment probably within the next few months. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Watch, just watch. Every advancement of mankind has involved going beyond, the going beyond factor. Do you know even our country was founded on people that said we're going to go beyond? When they got in the boat and came across from Europe, they didn't even know where they were going to land on the early ones. Every, every people group, every invention. When John Kennedy got up and said when he became president, we decided, I decided we're going to go to the moon in the next 10 years. That was going beyond. They didn't even have the technology invented to do that. But we're going to do it. Now, that's a mankind thing. Think about what God can do with people who get that kind of faith inside of them. They say, we can do this. We can see our city safe. We can see that uh, that uh, arena down there, Pinnacle Bank Arena, filled with people coming to the Lord on May 29th. And we can be ready to disciple them when they come out of that place. Wow, my God, this thing, it goes on. So every miracle of God requires the going beyond moment or the going beyond factor. And by the way, everything dealing with God is always going to be supernatural anyhow. It's not natural. It works beyond the natural. It is a supernatural event that takes place every single time. Even this story of Esther, and by the way, to give you the story, she does eventually go in and gets the courage to go in and go beyond. That is supernatural because the king should have killed her, and she knew that was king walking in uninvited would cause death, and she went in, and the, the king's heart was turned, and that wasn't because Esther was so pretty. That was because God's working on the king's heart to receive her. It's a supernatural thing, and I'm telling you, those kinds of moments happen every day for us if we'll let them. God's wanting to perform the supernatural on our behalf. Listen, somebody that you meet, and all of a sudden there's a prick in your ear, if you would, and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, tell them I love them. Now, that's supernatural. Number one, it's supernatural to get you to open your mouth and say that. Number two, it's what God is doing at the moment that you couldn't contrive. You couldn't have made it happen. It was God that did that and prepared that moment. And that's a supernatural going beyond moment. And God is filled with those kinds of moments in his plan and destiny for your life. Wow. Some of the things that happen in our lives, we go, wow, I can't believe that happened. That's God doing that. That's a supernatural work of the Lord happening in your... And faith has to be involved in that. Now, here's the thing about God. He does not push you into those moments. He does not force you or push your will and conform your will to get into those moments. You've got to have faith to step out and go beyond. Because Mordecai told Esther, look at if you don't do it, Esther, if you don't get into that beyond moment and see that faith arise in you... God will raise up a deliverance and relief from some other quarter, but you're in trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want those words. I want to be the kind of person that says, you know what, God, this is your man. I'm your boy. Do what you've got to do through me right now. I want to do it all. And if I lose my life, I lose my life, but at least I'm doing what God's called me to do. 
Boy, there's something powerful about that kind of commitment, that kind of conviction. And when God sees that, God says, oh, man, watch out. Here we go. Watch, watch me part the waters. Watch me open the doors. Watch me shut the mouths of the lion. He'll do it every single time for you, and you don't need to be afraid. Now, it's nervy, but you don't need to be afraid. It takes nerves to step out in faith. Man, I've had that happen. Stupid things, and it's weird things, like God says to Susan and I, give X amount of dollars to this mission or this, that, and the other, or, or in your faith promise pledge. Oh, well, God, where, where am I going to get that? That's nervy. Well, I, I can't do that. I don't see how that will work out. Well, okay, you're not going beyond. You're trying to figure it out yourself. Now, God will raise it from somewhere else. <laughs> he still has his plan intact, but it's going to affect you if you don't participate. All right? How many say amen to that? All right, good. <laughs> so obeying God's command. Now, let's think about obeying God's command. God told us when, when Jesus left the earth and ascended into heaven after the resurrection, he left a very, very simple command. We've made it complicated over the years. We've done all sorts of crazy things. I, I actually, when I'm with pastors, we talk about this. I think when we get to heaven, God's going to tell the pastors, he's going to say, guys, gals, come here. I only asked you to do this. What is all this other messing around here? Just, just do this. Now here, watch God's commands. Listen to them. Go into all the world. That's right here. Go into your world. Love your enemies. And as you can, live peaceably with all men. Show love and compassion to them. Just love on them. Just show them my love. Don't condemn them. Don't shake your finger in their nose. How bad you are. How, oh, my goodness. Just love on them. Now, you don't accept sin, but at the same time, You've got to love and show compassion to them. Jesus always did. The only ones Jesus ever shook his finger at were the religious types. Every time. I never see Jesus getting mad at a sinner. Find it in the Bible for me. It's not there. He loved the sinner. And we've got to do the same thing. We are created for beyond moments. Esther has one. Moses, Gideon, David, the disciples, everyone you read about that followed God in any capacity in the Bible had a beyond moment. Going beyond the Bible, history shows men and women who had beyond moments in their lives, and God used them in a great and mighty way. It's like my friend Michael Green down in New Orleans says, the worst thing that can happen is if you end up in the line going into heaven one day, and in front of you is Mother Teresa who went beyond, in our opinion, and God says to her, that's all you could have done? How many know you want to go beyond? Amen? When you get up to that level, keep going. Don't stop. Keep going beyond, and no matter what is, is happening or what the circumstances are in front of you. The kingdom advances at that beyond moment, not at the later miracle. And this is what we always get confused. 
We always think the kingdom is advancing at the miracle point. Do you know what? The kingdom actually doesn't, that's just the result of somebody going beyond, and that's when the kingdom advances. The kingdom advances on your obedience and your faith and my faith and obedience. That's when the kingdom advances. The miracle is the after effect. The miracle is the aftershock. The miracle is the result of the kingdom advancing. When the kingdom advances out of our obedience and our faith, that then gives room and place for the miracle to happen. But the kingdom doesn't advance on the miracle. The miracle is just an after effect because you advanced. That's powerful. We're always waiting around for the miracle. Well, God, if you can do this and arrange it and put this and, and then that, that'll show me. In fact, here we go. Uh, talking about money. Okay, let's do it. Mission Faith Promise. God, if you drop $10,000 into my lap, I'm going to give it. How many have said that? You know you've said that. Lord, if I win the lotto, I promise. You know, like uh, uh, I was watching last night during the fights, you know, <laughs> there was different ones tweeting about the fact that whoever wins, I hope they tithe at their church. Uh, they were each guaranteed. I think uh, Mayweather was guaranteed $180 million and uh, and uh, Pacquiao was guaranteed $120 million. Hallelujah. You know what? Lord's not going to let you win the lotto. He's going to require you to give and advance in the go beyond moment, and then the money will come. Amen? But it happens first in here by faith coming out of us, all right? So the outcome, and by the way, the, the beyond moment, all it does is prove our faithfulness. When Esther gets into her beyond moment and finds out, yep, you know what, I'm the only one. And, and Mordecai, my uncle, is right. I was born for such a time. I've been placed in that palace for such a time as this. Here I go. And if I die, I die. And she goes, and boy, it's really a fun story to read the rest, where the king sees her coming, and she's got herself all dolled up. It's looking really good. And the king sees her and goes, oh, yeah. And he extends his scepter to her, which means you're able to enter. Tell me what you want, he said to her. What desires do you have? And she's just sitting there going, oh, my Lord, this actually happened like it was supposed to. God went ahead of me. And she says, not for me, O king. She says, but for the people. Haman, the guy in your kingdom, he wants to kill me. What? You? Yeah, and that, that's exactly what happened. And that solved the whole problem. Can I tell you something? Listen, the, the beyond moment proves our faithfulness to what God's called us to be and do every single time. The outcome of that is not our responsibility. Now, listen, we did not, Esther did not know the outcome was going to be what it was. How many know we have the advantage of reading backward? She didn't know. But the outcome was not her responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. Our only responsibility is the faith and the obedience. That's all it is. It's just having a heart that sets ourselves and we say, we're going to go. We're going to do. We're going to give. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And we know that's what from the Lord. That's our destiny. That's the beyond moment we have to. And then God's responsibility is the outcome. He takes care of how that's all going to work out. He's just looking for a heart that says, I'm ready to go. Wow, when he gets that. And that's our decision. Is to, it's based on our decision to go beyond. Now, there is safety in staying where you're at. i got to give you the other side. 
There's safety in it. There is no risk, but there is no change ever when you stay like you are. There's never any change. And there is predictability in staying where you are. If you stay where you are right now, you will be the same in the same place when I come back in a year. I'm not going to be, I'll be back before a year, but you understand what I'm saying? You don't change. I have met believers who have lived 40, 50, 60, 70 years, some of them, born into the kingdom at a young age, lived 70 years, and except for their initial salvation experience, have never changed that much. And they go to their grave having, I'm sure they go to heaven, although that's not even my decision, but they go to their grave having never accomplished anything for the kingdom. Every time the basket came by, here's a dollar. Every time volunteer sheet went by, um, oh, I'm busy. Whatever it was, they lived their life the same and never went the go beyond moment. Now, how God works all that out is not my problem. How he judges that is not my problem. I don't really care. I just don't want to be standing behind Mother Teresa. I want to be behind her having gone beyond myself. I'd rather God say when I'm coming in, Mother Teresa, oh, man, you did great. Give me five. Yeah, come on in. And then, oh, Jerry David, yeah, man. You went beyond. Every time there was an open door, you went beyond. Yes, thank you, Lord. Yeah, here. I, listen, I, most of you go, I'm just happy to get in. But don't be, don't be that way. Don't be that way. Go beyond. Come on. Oh, listen, don't live a life of predictability. Don't live a life of complacency. Don't live a life where there is no change. The only thing you're changing is your socks. Go beyond. Take your socks off and live a little. Come on. Don't live a life where you take no risk. Don't be afraid. Go beyond. Go beyond. Listen, to do nothing is wrong. In fact, Mordecai tells Esther, Hey, to be silent, to be let alone, is wrong, Esther. To devise in a bad sense, to be silent like that, that's not going to come out good for you. You're going to die. It's going to happen. Now, sometimes with going beyond, we don't have the fear of death facing us in the moment. But I'll tell you what, it's not that you're going to die physically, even that's so bad. But when you don't take the risk and go beyond, something dies in you. Something of a sensitivity to the word of the Lord, the command of God, the Holy Spirit that's inside of you, something dies. When you shut it down once, it becomes easier to shut it down a second time. And before you know it, you're constantly shutting it down. And before you know it, you can't even hear anymore. The word becomes a little bit of a platitude and just a good story. Uh -uh. The word is powerful. The word has a cutting to it that saves the soul. But it has, it's based on my ability to believe the word and go beyond. 
Now, here's the other thing. Others are afflicted when we do not go beyond. Do you understand going beyond ultimately is not about you? It is not about you. Everything in our society right now points to this narcissistic fever that everything is about us. I mean, we're all involved. I, between the time I woke up this morning and the time that I got up here, I've had about eight selfies given to me on text or whatever. Now, it's my kids and my grandkids, so I don't mind so much. But do you understand? Everything is about us. But going beyond in the kingdom is never about you totally. It's always about others. If you as a church... If we as a church, I'll identify with you, if we do not go beyond, others will stay in bondage and not be free. Now, that ought to affect us. You know, we, it, it, we do this even anymore. We can look at a, appreciate it, in that Baltimore thing, I was watching some of the news, and they were interviewing some of these pastors. One of these pastors had this whole senior center, $14 million deal, burned right down to the ground. Right down to the ground. They said to him, what are you going to do, sir? He says, I'm re rebuilding. I'm taking get offering right now. We're going to put this thing back up. It's going to be better than it ever was. Why? Because it's not about us. If we don't rebuild, people will be lost. Families will be hurt. Things will happen that won't be for the good of our community. We're going to do it, and we're going to keep doing it. If, if we don't do it, people will be in bondage. People will not be free. Listen, if we don't do that thing on May 29th, people are going to keep living on May 30, uh, 30th and 31st in bondage. But on May 29th, if we get involved, we might just see people brought out of bondage into marvelous light and life. Wow. If you don't give in mission faith promise, it's not that I mean, I, the world's going to keep spinning. The problem is it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. It will keep others from experiencing victory. Churches that can be planted out of what you give, it won't happen. Now, God will still get the job done like he wants, but that's not the approach we take. God, use me. God, let me go beyond. But listen, can I tell you this? Here's the last point. There's a cost involved in going beyond. There is a cost in going beyond for every single one of us. Sometimes the cost is measured in dollars. Sometimes the cost is measured in time. Sometimes the cost is measured in uh, priority. Sometimes the cost is measured in just a series of different ways, but there always is a cost in going beyond. In Esther's case, the cost was, it's going, it could cost me my life. Here's the thing I want you to know about God. He paid the ultimate cost so that you will always be protected. If you're going beyond in God and you're walking with God, listen, even if you lose your life, you still get the victory of heaven gained. Paul the Apostle said one day, he says, oh, man, I just, I mean, I, I, it's sort of weird talk, but that's kingdom talk. I just really yearn to go to heaven. I, I just yearn to be with God and with my, my Savior, Jesus. And I, but for me to, to 
to die is gain. But I'm not dead yet. And to live, I'm going to show Christ everywhere I go. It's going to cost, but here I am. And I'm willing to expend everything in order that that cost is done. Now, that's how we've got to get. We love the stories of of Joseph and Esther. Let me tell you, every one of them had a cost. And what is going to take place in your life, it's going to cost. But, oh, the reward is so great. Let me show you how the end of the story happens. In, in, in Esther chapter 8, listen to this. Starting at verse 11. In them, the king granted the Jews in every city to gather themselves and to stand for their life, to destroy, to kill, and cause to perish all the power of the people and providence, province rather, who desire to attack them, little ones and women, and to take what they owned for a prize. In other words, through the king's decree, all that Esther did, the whole thing flipped around, and those that had come after the Jews and God's people, they ended up losing everything, and God's people ended up winning. Verse 17, And in every province and in every city where the king's command and his order came, the Jews, now what, listen, I love this, God's people, listen, had joy, and gladness, a feast, and a good day. <laughs> I just love that. And many of the people of the land became Jews, became God's people, for the fear of God's people fell on everyone. Do you understand just Esther going beyond like she did? People converted to God. Not only was she saved, not only were God's people saved, but new people converted to God and became God's people, if you would, just because Esther said one day, I'm going to step out and I'm going to go beyond. Come on up here. I'll tell you this. This morning as we pass out communion, I want you to take the communion this morning. And I want you to keep it in your hand, the cup and the bread, because I'm going to pray special for you this morning concerning the communion. I want this communion this morning to bring courage to you. Yeah, come on, let's stand. I want this communion this morning to bring courage to 